dudes and dudettes. Welcome back. This is episode 112 of The Anxious Truth, 112. Welcome back to the show. I hear so many podcasters call their podcast a show. I don't think I can call this a show. It seems like a show should have singing and dancing, or at the very least, like stand-up comedy. All right, welcome back to the show. We'll say it today. We'll see how it works out. I'll try it for a few weeks and see if we like it. <clears throat> today, we're going to talk about emotions. This is a topic that in a million years, I never thought I would be talking about. When I started doing the podcast five years ago, you know, sitting in my living room, talking into a microphone, and I would have never thought that I would be discussing this, but, but here I am. And the reason I'm discussing this is because I am fortunate enough to get the feedback of thousands of people who listen to the podcast and participate in the community around it, especially the Facebook group. My Facebook group is freaking amazing. And I say this in almost every episode. If you're not in it, join it. I join it. So go to theanxioustruth.com slash links. You'll see a link to the Facebook group. Hop on in and ask to join. It's different than any other group you've ever been in. It's incredibly vibrant. There's so much discussion and sharing, and it's all super productive there. So it's very different than anything you've ever seen in terms of an anxiety group. But anyway... Thanks to the good people in my Facebook group, I am able to really learn more and more about the process of recovering from these disorders that we talk about. And there's a lot of color and, and, and depth and nuance that gets added to the topic because everybody is, is sharing and discussing and learning from each other, including me. So I have the privilege of learning more from really good people every single day. And sometimes what I learn become podcast topics like this one. So I never thought I'd have to talk about um, emotions and viewing, really the topic is viewing your emotions as threats, uh, being afraid of your emotions, trying to avoid your emotions. We're going to talk about that. And what prompted this, sometimes in the Facebook group especially, trends really pop up and they become super clear. Like I'm, you know, I'm able to see them and, and I watch what everybody's talking about. Somebody will post a little something and, you know, they'll get some feedback and there'll be a discussion. And then maybe that topic dies out. But then somebody will post something and a, a discussion will pop up around it. And it will be a really vibrant discussion. It will last a long time. And someone else will post a similar topic a day or two later. And then another one a day or two later. And then all of a sudden, you see a trend. So it's really great because people empower each other to share what's going on with, in, in their own journey which is really awesome. I've now used the words nuance and journey in this podcast episode. This is getting dangerous. Uh, I may have to hit the eject button very soon. Anyway, anyway, all, all kidding aside on that, it's real. So I start to see that the issues that maybe they weren't my issues, but just because they weren't my issues doesn't mean they aren't issues, right? So this is definitely an issue. Now, all human beings experience emotion. All, we all do. That's just the way life is. And I know that's shitty news and not everybody wants to hear that, because a lot of you really are afraid of your emotions. Um, and what I'm learning is that people are afraid of their emotions and people feel that they are incapable of handling their emotions. And people spend a lot of time trying to get away from their emotions because they feel they are too big and too heavy. Uh, and I think underneath that is that, that lack of confidence and competence, feeling like, oh, that's just too much for me to handle. I won't be able to handle that. So let me just start by saying, if you are listening to this right now, it means that you are alive and upright, even if you're horizontal, you're upright in a figurative sense. If you are listening to this right now, you have survived every last thing in the world that you have ever had to handle, in air quotes, everything. It's, you can't, this is, this is truth, you cannot refute this. If you are alive right now and listening to this podcast, you have handled every single obstacle and challenge and, and shitty, crappy thing that has ever been handed to you in life. You have handled it. You are still here. You are still here. You have technically handled, literally handled, every single thing you've ever faced in your life. So I 
So you can also handle feeling big emotions. So let me get that out of the way right now. This isn't going to be 30 minutes of inspirational, you can do this. We're going to get into like the mechanics of a lot of this. But I will start by saying right now that you are absolutely capable of handling emotional waves. I don't care how big they may be. And sometimes emotions are scary. Sometimes emotions are really difficult. They're heavy. They can be burdens. This is part of being human. And every human being, whether they deal with anxiety or not, has that issue. We all have to carry our emotions sometimes. We have to feel them. We have to go through them. We have to process them. Whatever words resonate with you, this is part of the human condition. And in many, many ways, feeling emotions is a gift. Life without emotions would be horrific. Unfortunately, we just don't get to pick. They don't all get to be sunshine, rainbows, and happy emotions. Sometimes they are anger. Sometimes they're disappointment. Sometimes there's regret and resent. Right? There's a lot, there's a lot of that that goes into being human, but it's all normal and natural. None of it is actually a threat. None of it is dangerous. None of it is too much or too large. You are capable of riding emotional waves, no matter how big they may be. So enough of the cheerleading segment. Just remember that as we go along here. What I'm talking about is the fact that so many people add complexity or have complexity added to their anxiety problem and have recovery made more difficult from an anxiety problem, right? Anxiety recovery becomes more difficult when there is fear of emotions. Not just dislike, because a lot of, you know, like, I don't like feeling sad. Nobody likes that, okay? We can accept it. We know that we have to deal with it sometime at a time, but we don't have to like negative emotions. We don't. That's, you're not required to love them. That's okay. Um, but so not only do people not like those negative emotions, but when you have come to a place in your life where you fear them, you see them as threats, you feel like they cannot happen to you. And if they do, it is indication of absolute abject failure on your part because you feel a thing, like you are a failure because you feel a certain emotion. Now we have a different problem here. So that just isn't disliking emotion. That just isn't struggling to get through negative times and hard times in life, which everybody does. That is actually taking the emotion itself. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit because that's what we do here. So now you are experiencing an emotion of some kind. <clears throat> let's use, excuse me, let's use sadness as an example here. So now you are, because it's one of the things that seems to be the biggest trigger for most people. They are experiencing sadness and therefore they are, they are failing. So looking at, at heavy emotions or, or big emotions, <clears throat> excuse me, not only as uh, disasters, as things that are threats, things that must be avoided, things that you fear, but these emotions are also seen as failures and indicators of much larger problems just because you're feeling them. So the context of the emotion doesn't even matter. Just the fact that you feel them, you may be judging that as, if I feel sad today, it means that I am incapable, I am failing, and I am never going to recover in my anxiety problem. That's just not true. So again, let, let me get into this. Let's break it down a little bit. So something happens in your life that triggers an emotion. And sometimes that thing is also the anxiety could trigger emotions. So, you know, if you listen to the podcast because you have an anxiety problem, yeah, that makes it a little bit more complicated. So somebody who doesn't have this problem that we have collectively, somebody may go through life without ever experiencing, you know, an anxiety disorder, and that's great for them. But even so, they will encounter situations in their life where emotions get triggered, anger, sadness, whatever it is, disappointment. Right? There's a lot of those things, right? I could name emotions for the next two hours. But emotions get triggered, and they don't like them, and they struggle with them a little bit, and they may have a little bit of a difficult period getting through them, but they get through them. They, they just take the emotion at face value and say, well, today I am sad because this and this happened, or I'm remembering this, or I have memories I've had bad experiences in my life, and sometimes they come up and they make me emotional. 
So people who aren't struggling with the anxiety problem will often take those emotions and they just keep them at face value. Like I, I feel this way today, I think because of this or I feel this way today. I'm not even sure why I feel this way today, but I do. I don't like it. And I hope I feel better tomorrow. And maybe I will and maybe I won't. But you see that this is just the, the focus is on the emotion itself. And the context of it, I'm feeling this because of this thing, I can work on this thing, I can work on like I had a fight with my boyfriend, and I can work on that and hopefully make it better. Or I didn't even know why I'm feeling this way. I'm just having a couple of really sad days. Okay, that's fine. But they focus on the emotion itself, or the situation, the context that brought it up. <clears throat> Whereas you may be in a situation where you take that emotion, the thing that triggered it, the context that surrounds the emotion, and, and you carry it just like every other human being would. But you may be making a critical mistake here in that you then pile things on top of the emotion. Right? So I'm feeling sad because I'm thinking about all the time that I have lost because of my anxiety. Or I am feeling sad because I'm remembering some experiences that I had in my life. Or I am feeling particularly vulnerable the last few days because of things that are I'm coming up from my past. Okay, that that kind of sucks, but it's gonna happen from time to time. So instead of taking that and leaving it there and saying, okay, I got to deal with this thing now, you may be falling into that trap where you're saying, uh oh, I feel this thing. So let me feel this thing. Let me let me carry this burden that I have to carry emotionally for a day or two or however long it's going to be. Let me have to work through that. But let me also take a shovel and pile a whole bunch of stuff on top of that emotion too. So I'm going to take the emotion. And I'm going to completely ignore the fact that it's normal. I'm going to totally ignore the fact that it means that I'm human. I'm going to totally ignore the fact that, that it's just a natural part of life to experience emotions. I'm going to completely ignore the part that my life experiences and the things that happen to me and world events and the people in my life may trigger emotions. I'm going to throw all of that away. And instead, I'm going to take the emotion, hang on tight with my left hand and hold it and, and how hard and it burns in my hand and I hate it and it hurts and I don't like it. Now let me grab all kinds of crap in my right hand too, so that I have an even bigger burden. And the extra stuff that you that you grab and pile on top of the emotion and its original context is the judgment and the extra story. This is where irrational fear comes in. This is where obsessional and intrusive thinking comes in. So just the fact let's take sadness, because sadness is usually the biggest trigger. I'm feeling so sad today. And instead of just stopping there, I'm feeling sad today, I'm having a very sad week this week. You know, I, I'm not sure why or I do know why and I'm working on that instead of stopping there. Now you pile extra stuff on top of that. I am feeling sad. I, I think what if I wind up depressed? If I am sad, it means I may wind up depressed, it may mean I wind up even sicker. It, this means that I'm weak. The fact that I feel sad, forget the fact that it's normal, expected, natural, like just part of being human, I'm gonna throw all that away. And I'm gonna say the fact that I am feeling sad this week means I am a failure. I am weak. I should not be feeling this. I'm recovering. I should why am I feeling sad? I can't feel sad. I'm recovering here. So do you see what happens? You take the emotion, you take the context surrounding the emotion, and then you completely wipe away all, all the objective things that say, oh, I'm human, I'm going to have to deal with this from time to time, even during recovery. So recovery is not a bubble. Your anxiety recovery is not a bubble. You're not in a bubble where the rest of life is just sort of locked out while you do recovery. Like recovery is life and life is recovery. I wrote that in the book. It seems to be a pretty powerful passage for a lot of people. Right? So life is recovery, recovery is life, life is happening while you recover. So recovery itself is going to trigger emotions. And life is also happening to you while you're in recovery, and that will trigger emotions. But you may be making the mistake 
of thinking that you are locked in a recovery bubble, everything else should be like around you and never touching you, which just goes on around you while I recover until I'm ready to get out of my recovery bubble. So the fact that an emotion or life event creeps into your bubble and you feel sad or angry or disappointed or disheartened or whatever you feel right now, you may be viewing that as a failure, like that somehow feeling emotion is a recovery failure, and it is not. It's not. It's just not. That's, that's absolutely not true. So where the emotional thing becomes a problem in the context of the disorders that we are always talking about and the context of recovery from those disorders is when you take the emotion and then pile extra stories and interpretations on top of it, right? So you judge yourself as failing in recovery. Like this shouldn't happen. I was, I was having a really great two weeks and now I feel sad. So I'm back to square one. That's not flat out. Not true. That's a distortion. That is a distortion. So, you know, I, I talk a lot lately about the, you know, changing reaction and so much of the, the, the book that I just wrote on, I can talk about the book, but it's true. Like we focus, the, the act of recovery is really understanding what your reactions are and how to change them, how to modify them. So it's, it's not the emotion here, here comes ready. Here's, here's the price of admission right here. It's not the emotion. It's your reaction to the emotion that gets you into trouble. Right. So, you know, it takes me 13 minutes to get in, get to get there. But that's really the message today is that it's never the emotion. It's always your reaction to the emotion. The difference is when I say it's never the panic symptom, it's always your reaction. We're basically working to engineer our reaction to the panic symptom because it truly is irrelevant. In the case of emotions, emotions are not irrelevant, but still your reaction matters. So, you know, your reaction to feeling sad, you in a, in a normal or a natural or in an unimpaired or in a rational situation would be to address the sadness. Like, oh, I have to address this thing now. I have to feel sad and I have to maybe try and figure out what's going on here. Okay. That, that's a normal reaction to feeling sad. The irrational, anxiety-driven, obsessive reaction to the emotion of sadness is, well, now I have to feel sad, which I really, really hate. And I also have to declare it a nightmare because it means I'm weak because I shouldn't feel sad. I'm broken because I shouldn't feel sad. I'm terrified because I'm incapable of handling this very big emotion because I'm too weak and I don't know how to do it. And it's going to push me all the way back to square one in my recovery. I'm going to wind up, you know, mentally ill and incapacitated for the rest of my life because I feel sad right now. See the reaction? The problem is the reaction to the emotion. The reaction is not just the normal reaction of... I have to deal with this now. I don't want to, but I have to. There's that reaction, and then you pile a bunch of interpretation on top of it. You you write stories in your head about it. You create full motion pictures in your head about what this sadness or anger or disappointment, whatever it is that you feel. Like you're, you create entire movies in your head, write entire scripts, screenplays, special effects, musical soundtracks, everything, you know, on top of the emotion itself. So if you are in a situation where you feel that your anxiety is made worse by your emotions or your recovery is being hindered by your emotions and you feel that your emotions are threats, they are your enemies, you must avoid them, you should not feel them, be aware that the problem here is not the emotions, the problem is the additional interpretations you pile on top of the fact that you even have emotions. And look, this is really understandable because when you're in the grips of an anxiety disorder, and we talk about you know the concepts of sensitization that Claire Weeks put forth so many years ago so brilliantly, when you're in a sensitized state, you're on a hair trigger, everything is an anxiety trigger, everything is overstimulating, everything is terrifying to you, that makes sense. 
So I want you to understand to a certain extent that part of the problem, if you are in the grips of that, you are in a constant state of high anxiety, you're fearing the next panic attack, you're still agoraphobic, you're trying to find your first steps down the road to recovery, they're tentative, you're afraid, I get all that, that's normal. We've talked about this every week, every day. So look at emotions as just another stimulus, like your fast heartbeat, or feeling dizzy, or, or a tingly foot, because you crouched too long in the garden, and now that tingling in your foot is triggering all kinds of like horrible catastrophic thoughts. So in the end, I want you to consider that your emotions are the same kind of stimulus as your panic symptoms and your anxiety symptoms. They're the same thing. And people talk about it all the time, like what triggers your anxiety and your panic? Oh, anything, a loud noise, the phone ringing, you know, the, the, a cloud going over the sun, a change in temperature, an odd taste, like anything can trigger panic and anxiety. Well, emotions are also stimulating. In fact, emotions could be incredibly stimulating. So I want you to look at the fact that you are seeing that you are experiencing normal, expected, natural, common, not dangerous human emotions as yet another anxiety trigger. And your reaction to those emotions is pretty much the same. It's in parallel to your reaction to all your other anxiety symptoms. So not only am I going to feel whatever, a little bit disoriented or disequalized or dizzy today, but I'm going to call that a nightmare for which I may need some sort of life-saving assistance. Well, same thing. I feel a little dizzy today. It's a nightmare. It's horrible. I'm, I can't leave my house. I can't do anything, which is not true. We talk about that all the time. But now you, you actually do the same thing with I'm feeling sad. So that means I'm broken. I'm weak. I'm never going to recover. I'm back to square one. This isn't working. I don't know what to do. I'm going to wind up depressed. All of those things. You see, it's the same thing. So it's not the emotion, the emotion is just yet another stimulation to a sensitized person, person that triggers that fear response and that irrational, obsessive thinking response. Let me build a story on top of this already crappy thing. Like if we draw a parallel between emotions as a threat and emotions as your enemy, and, you know, and your anxiety, the physical symptom of anxiety and panic as threats and enemies, which you all consider them enemies, I know you do. Like they're the same as the racing heart. There's this, they're the same as the dizzy. They're the same as the feeling that you can't breathe. They're all, they're the same as all of those things. The sense of impending doom, all of those things, your emotions, you're viewing them exactly the same way. They're all in the same bucket. So whether it's a racing heart or a feeling of sadness, it's the same thing. It's a nightmare. It's a disaster. I, I can't feel any of this. I'm not able to feel any of this. This needs to go away, but that's not true. That's not true. So I want you to realize that if you are in a situation where in the context of your anxiety disorder and recovery from that disorder, if you feel that your, your emotions are threats, they are your enemies, they make your anxiety worse, uh, and that they are indicators of some much larger problem that you will never overcome or a larger problem that is looming, it's coming for you, you are using the fact that you're experiencing normal, predictable, natural human emotions as, as some sort of indicator that right around the corner is a disaster waiting for you, a, a real mental illness. Yes, I, I'm hearing the words like schizophrenia and depression all the time. Like, I, this is just, it's too much. I can't handle this emotion. What if I snap because of this emotion? And that's just not a thing. So it's the same thing as saying, well, my heart is being really crackly, so I must be having a heart attack. What if it's a heart attack? What if I have a heart attack? Like, it's the same exact thing. I'm feeling this intense emotion, so what if I snap and become schizophrenic or become clinically depressed forever for the rest of my life? Same distortion, same exact distortion just applied to an emotion as opposed to a physical sensation. 
So when you are in a situation that you where you are viewing your emotions as threats, or your emotions as indicators that you are failing at recovery, that you cannot recover, that you recover, that you are broken, or that all of your progress has been washed away by an emotion, you are making an incorrect and a needless judgment, just like you are with all of your your panic symptoms that you've been working so hard on. And a lot of times that's the problem. Like people have been making such tremendous strides with their panic, with their agoraphobia, with their monophobia, with their, their fears, those fears, right? So people get it. They start working on the one fear. They're doing their exposure. They're doing their stuff. And all of a sudden an emotion comes in. Uh-oh, I hadn't planned on that part. So this is a new thing that I can be afraid of. And I can react to it in an irrational, exaggerated way. So that's what goes on there. That's what goes on there. So I want you to take a little while and really think about that. Like why right now are you so terrified of feeling emotions? Are you doing this? Are you are you running from your emotions because you view them as just too big and too stimulating and too hard and 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 you're building your are you writing stories around the fact that you even have that emotion? Are you thinking that you shouldn't even have it? Like the fact that you feel a thing means that you are a failure or incapable? Like think about that because if you're doing that, you're just wrong. So we can, we can address that just the same way that we address, you know, the over exaggerated reaction to physical panic symptoms, you know, you have to look at your reaction and change that. So when you feel sadness, you're you have built the habit of, 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 you know, talking about that sadness as if it is this nightmare and adding all that extra stuff on top of it, taking the sadness, taking the context of the sadness, that's a burden enough. And now you just pile more dirt on top of it. And that dirt is, I shouldn't feel this. I'm broken because I feel this. I'm a failure because I feel this. I'm incapable of, of handling this. This is going to wipe out all my progress. I'm back to square one. Nothing's ever going to get better. I'm going to wind up a disaster for the rest of my life. That's the extra dirt you're just piling on top of it. And that's needless. So you can recognize when you're doing that. Like, am I actually addressing the emotion itself? Or am I addressing the extra dirt and the story that I keep building around this emotion? Which one am I addressing right now? This is a good strategy, you can stop for a second and say, wait a minute, am I addressing my sadness? Or am I addressing my disappointment or my anger or my, my, you know, the feeling resentful or regretful? Am I addressing regret? Or am I addressing all the stuff that I have glued to the regret? You could probably tease those things away. If, if your thinking includes this means or what if, you know, I, I'm just, I'm buried in regrets over my past this week. Okay, that's a thing that you can work through and, and handle because you're capable of doing it. If your thoughts revolve around this must mean or what if this happens, it's the what if, just like with the physical symptoms that you got to back away from. What if? What if I'm what if this means that I'm, I'm back to square one? What if this means that I did it wrong? What if this means if you are dealing with the story around the, your story that you built around this emotion, more than the emotion itself, you have to stop put the brakes on and say, Oh, wait, I got to go back to focusing on the actual emotion. Whatever I can do about that right now, if anything, or I just have to be able to be okay, just sitting with that emotion right now. So let's move on to that. Like, so that's the mechanics of building the extra story around the emotion adding judgment on top of it that doesn't belong there, often fueled by fear and irrationality. So understanding that mechanism is super important in helping to solve this problem. So that, that's kind of the mechanics of that in relation to an anxiety disorder and recovering from the disorder. We can use very we can use a lot of the same concepts and tools that we talk about, you know, in terms of the disorder and recovery, we can talk about that to also, you know, work on the, the way you respond to your emotions, we can do that. 
But now let's talk about, you know, the second part of this, which might even be the hardest part, because what I just talked about there is kind of mechanical. But now let's talk about this thing that, you know, underneath all that, underneath all that is just the many people just have the belief that they are just flat out incapable of handling these big things. Not everybody. Some people develop that feeling because of, you know, the mechanical stuff that I was just talking about. But other people have lived their entire life just thinking that like, no, I'm, not, I'm just not capable of this. I'm not strong enough. Maybe you were told that. Maybe you were not allowed to feel certain emotions. This has been a thing that I've had to listen to very closely also. Uh, many of you, unfortunately, and, and you, my heart goes out to, to those of you who are in this situation, grew up in a situation where you were strictly forbidden to express emotions, especially negative emotions that maybe you were in an environment, whether as a child or as an adult, even relationships where your emotions had to be subordinate to everybody else or one person around you. Like I'm having a day right now, you don't get to feel sad. Like that is a terrible way to have to live. Where your emotions are rendered, you know, secondary, not important and must be brushed under the table because your emotions are making me feel bad. So I, I need to address that because that's a real thing. Many people either grow up or wind up in long-term relationships where they are they are taught that. Like your emotions make me feel bad. So therefore, I want your emotions out of this room right now. So you may be in a situation where you have learned and been conditioned over time, maybe by your parents, maybe by teachers, maybe by friends, maybe by your partners in romantic and you know deep relationships, maybe just by friends that your emotions are inconvenient and, and not okay. You are harshing everybody's mellow. You are ruining it with your emotions. So please get rid of those. That's not, that's not okay. That's not okay. If anybody's ever told you that, they are flat out wrong. Like everything that you feel, like this is what I would tell my kids. And I told my kids when they were small. It doesn't make me, you know, it's father of the year. It's just a basic human thing that we all need to hear. Like every emotion that you feel is a valid emotion. No one gets to judge whether or not your emotion is valid or not. Like, if you feel it, it is real. If you feel it, now, I, I know that's going to sound crazy, but I'm talking about emotions right now. I'm not talking, I feel like I'm going to die, so therefore I'm going to die. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about if you feel sad, then you feel sad. You do. If you feel angry, then you genuinely feel angry. And no one gets to decide that you're not supposed to feel sad or angry. You know, I can give you advice that says you don't have to follow the irrational feeling that you're going to die today, even though you're not going to. You don't have to follow the irrational fear that you will somehow lose control during a panic attack. You don't have to follow that fear. But if you feel an emotion, it's perfectly valid to feel that emotion. You're allowed to feel those emotions. It doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. I don't get to judge your emotions. Nobody does. Only you do. So first, we have to learn how to judge our emotions wisely and intelligently and, and constructively which is a thing we have to learn. And we learn that as we're growing up or sometimes we don't. So I think in the end, and I can't believe that I'm actually, you know, having this conversation, but I, I believe this with my, in all my heart, after listening to many, many people talk about this thing, like we learn as we grow as children, as we become adolescents, young adults, we learn through experience, we learn, you know, as we go through that we are capable of handling emotions, our emotions are valid, they are okay, we can handle them, we are capable of doing that. But if you have been in prolonged situations, whether as a child or even as an adult, where your emotions are invalidated and, and you are made to feel that you are, you are not allowed to feel those emotions, then you never get the experience of actually dealing with them. You do not learn that you are capable of doing that. 
So if you feel that you are absolutely incapable of handling big emotions, or you see emotions as too big and scary, and you have your whole life even outside of the context of your anxiety disorder, then you do have more wrinkle to deal with than maybe I did or other people do. But I'm telling you right now, and you know, I'm just nobody, I'm just some guy with a microphone right now in New York. But you know, I'm telling you right now that you have been taught that and it is wrong. It is flat out wrong. The reason why you think you're incapable of handling your emotions is either because you have been told that you are incapable and weak and incompetent by people who had a vested interest in knocking you down so that they feel better, which is not okay. But recognizing that is half the fact. And especially if those people are no longer around you, then that doesn't apply anymore. So I know that those are powerful things to be told by people who are important to you. But you have either been told that you are too stupid to handle this stuff, incapable, you are weak. You have either been flat out told and taught that you are incapable of handling big things in life, or you haven't been told that directly, but indirectly you have been taught that because you have been prohibited from displaying your emotions or feeling things or letting them out or letting them impact anybody else in your life. So we have two things going on here in the in the topic of my emotions are my enemies, my their threats, I'm afraid of them, and they are ruining my they are making my anxiety worse, and they are hindering my recovery. We talked in the first half of this podcast first two thirds, you know, of the mechanics of that, you're going to add stories on top of emotions that don't need to be there, you're going to make judgment that don't need to be there. And you can start to, to say I got to put the brakes on for a minute. And am I dealing with the emotion itself? Or am I actually addressing all the extra crap that I've glued to the emotion? You can do that. That's a mechanical thing. But underneath that all, if you have spent your entire life in your head thinking I am incapable of handling big feelings, they will crush me. They will they will ruin me. They will roll over me. I cannot do this. You have either been told that over and over by people who should not have told you that and they were wrong who have either told you that you are weak and capable, stupid, and, and you just can't do those things. You suck at life. That's not okay. And they had a vested interest in knocking you down to either make you dependent upon them or make themselves feel better. And sadly, the world is full of those people. So acknowledge that that could have happened to you. Or if you were not told that you may have been indirectly taught that you are incapable of handling your emotions because you were never given the opportunity to do it growing up. So those are two big deals. Like if you feel that you have struggled with experiencing emotion and handling emotion your entire life and not just in the context of the anxiety thing we talk about, consider those two things. Now, I'm not going to claim any sort of expertise or ability to counsel in that in that area at all. All I can tell you is that I can certainly validate those two stories of people who have been told over and over again that they are weak and incapable and incompetent. And that usually is because somebody needs to knock them down to feel better or that somebody needs them to be dependent or people who have been indirectly taught that they are incapable of handling emotions just because they were never allowed to experience emotions. Your emotions make me feel bad, so get them out of here. And therefore, you never learn. So if you are trying to learn, I, I always go back to these guitars, and you guys have seen in my videos, there are guitars hanging on my walls. I love my guitars. I don't play them well enough. I don't play them enough. But imagine I want to learn to play these guitars, and every time I pick them up and make noises, I am told by someone important in my life, put that damn thing away. I hate that. You're making me feel bad. You are ruining my day with your damn guitar. So every time I'm told that, I, I have to put the guitar away. I will never learn to play the guitar. Never. I will want to. The natural progression of becoming a guitar player would be to practice and make mistakes and learn from them and get better at things over time. But if I am prohibited from making noise with my guitar because it is ruining someone else's day, then I will never learn those skills. 
And if you have been told over and over in your life that your emotions are inconvenient to other people and they are making other people feel bad and you need to get rid of them, get them out of the room and hide them, then guess what? You were never given the opportunity to learn to play the guitar. So consider that. That is not your fault. And I'm going to address one more thing because we're now we're up over 30 minutes to try and keep these short, but this is important. You may think, you may think that your job is to accommodate the entire rest of the world. And that also plays a role in the belief that you cannot handle emotions because you have not given yourself the opportunity to learn the skills of handling emotions. So there are a fair number of people who are very open about sharing this. And I appreciate you guys more than you'll ever know, because again, I get to learn these things and turn them into this content, which I think is hopefully, I believe, and I hope in my heart is helpful to a lot of people. So I want to address that too. If you have taken it upon yourself, and this may come from, from conditioning in the past that I just talked about, either being told to hide your emotions or told you're not capable, that may have led you, or you maybe you were just told that you were not capable or that you're ruining everything. You know, and if you have taken on the mantle of, I must not ruin anybody's day, then yeah, you're going to see emotions as, as a problem in a big way. In general, in life, I don't mean just in the anxiety thing, but if you've also dealing with an anxiety thing at the same time, well, you're just making things much more complicated because if you judge your emotions on the basis of how they may affect you because it will ruin everything for my kids, my husband, my family, I'm going to ruin everything because I feel so sad today. Well, that that's also faulty thinking. And I think you have to acknowledge that and say like, well, where does that come from? You know, I was told some things or I was taught some things. You didn't decide that on your own. That came from somewhere. All right. So I want you, uh, this is a big episode. We could talk about this for a very long time. And at some point, I think I'm going to bring some people on here who are well more versed in dealing with these things than I am. Uh, you guys know that I, I actually enjoy having guests that are smarter than me on these topics. And, I, and we're going to talk about this some more because I know what a big deal it is. And really what I'm after always is the process of recovery from these anxiety disorders. And I could see how it is deepening the disorder for a lot of people and how it is it is hindering recovery for a lot of people. So it's important. I've tried to cover as much as I can in 34 minutes, but it's a huge topic. It could probably be its own podcast. There's probably a thousand podcasts on iTunes right now that just talk about emotions, I'm guessing. So I, I try to do the best I can in a short amount of time, but uh, I don't want to go too long on this. Uh, feedback, as always, is welcome. So like I said, go to the anxioustruth.com slash links and please join join the Facebook group or you know, leave me a comment on Instagram. I've been more active on Instagram lately. My Instagram is linked. If you go to the links, you know, the anxioustruth.com slash links, it's all there. You'll find me on Twitter. You'll follow me on Instagram. You'll follow me on Facebook, where, wherever. Um, join the Facebook group. Ask questions. I would, love the I would love feedback on this. Where should we take this discussion next? And I promise I will do that. And I will bring some people in who are much smarter when it comes to this topic than I am. And we'll talk about it because it's super important. If for no other reason, then uh, there's a purely human reason. Like if this is the place where you're going to find some support for that, then so be it. I will make that happen. All right. So I guess we're done. Episode 112 in the books. I hope it has been helpful. As always, I have to remind you, if you are listening on iTunes or somewhere that you are given the ability to rate and review the podcast, please take a moment and rate the podcast, write a little review. If it's helping you, that helps other people find it. I appreciate it. And I got to put in a plug for the book only because I am super proud of this book. I'm going to keep saying that people are, the feedback I'm getting from people is so heartwarming and, and I believe it is a helpful tool. 
So it's everything I've ever said on social media in a podcast, just in much greater detail and organized like a class in anxiety recovery, the anxious slash recovery guide. You'll find it there. Uh, this week was pretty exciting because international distribution kicked in. So you can now buy the book in pretty much any country that book depository ships to, which I'm told is kind of everywhere. I didn't even know there was such a thing as book depository. That's just typical American ignorance because we don't, we don't have it here or we don't really use it here. Anyway, that's the deal. That's my advertisement for my book. Go check it out, please. I would appreciate it. And uh, yeah, ask questions, ask comments, come back next week. I got another good one lined up. And I will leave you, as always, with Afterglow by my friend Ben Drake. Ben is killing it likely, by the way. Um, you can find Ben at Facebook.com slash Ben Drake Music. So if you really like this song that you hear at the beginning and end of every podcast, go check him out. Stream some of his stuff. Buy some of his music. I dig Ben. He's a good, he's a good human being. And he actually gave me permission to use this. And, and this song was kind of inspired by the podcast. So there you go. All right, guys. See you next week. Enjoy Afterglow. See you then. You keep on dancing like it's your last song Makes no difference if you're right or wrong Now you're on your way It's in the afterglow It's in the lyrics of the songs we know It's in these feelings that you never show